he burst onto the international jazz scene as the youngest member of Dizzy Gillespie's United Nations Orchestra. 20 years later, his signature Pan American sound continues to revolutionize contemporary jazz. Innovative pianist, composer, and humanitarian Danilo Perez. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This is One on One. Danilo Perez, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Some people you. might not know your name, but you are a Grammy Award-winning musician, composer. You head up the Berklee College of Music Global Jazz Institute. Yes. You head up the Panamanian Jazz Festival that you created. You live in Boston. Yes. And you give so much back in terms of, of your music to, to the world. It's really an honor to have you here. It's my honor too. When people think about jazz, sometimes they think it's a solid American traditional music. You grew up in Panama. And in fact, Panama and jazz, there's a long history there. I mean, you're Panamanian, Latin jazz, but this is not new, right? Yes. Um, actually, there has been a significant contribution from Panamanians to jazz, actually. Uh, one of them started with Luis Russell. He made a fantastic contribution with Louis Armstrong. They made some records. Um, he grew up in Panama until he was 17 years old. He won a lottery, actually, to come to the United States. And there's also, you were telling me this other story, Billie Holiday, oh, Strange, a stra Fruit. A Strange Fruit. Strange actually. Fruit, which is the Billie Holiday song. Yeah, the piano player in that recording is Sonny White, actually. Who's also Panamanian. Panamanian, fantastic. So you were growing up in Panama. Pretty humble background. Mm -hmm. Poor. Yes. But your parents were very much involved in music, your father. Yeah. So talk about those memories of what you were hearing in Panama. What was your life in music as a young boy growing up? Well, my father was in love with um, Cuban pianists. Actually, Lino Fria. He was in love with a lot of the great artists from Panama but mainly piano players. And he actually introduced me to a fantastic pianist from Puerto Rico called Papo Luca. And my father would sing to me like tumbaos, like con kiko, con, when well, I was a kid, like, like. <laughs> you got the piano. And we would be all day doing that. That's a tumbao. Okay. That's a tumbao. He would be all day say, check out how, how it changed. If you made a little change like. Look at those notes, look at that. From early on, you know, I was early on with my percussion, with my cowbell, with my clave. It, you know, he's in the morning and breakfast, we'd be singing. Even, you know, house was full of music. You play, you play, you play all day at home. Now, interestingly, so you actually musically, you started by doing percussion. Yes. Because when I hear your music, and your music is so profoundly spiritual, it's really, really beautiful, and I hope people go and listen to all of the albums that you've done. There is a serious rhythm, a serious beat, even if it's subtle, 
it's in your music. Certainly, and I think it's the connection with the, with the percussion, with the bongos uh, from early on in my life. So give me an example, for example, uh, just play something and we'll be able to hear the importance of that percussive beat. Yeah, for example, there's a Panamanian tam tamborito that goes pack tum pack tum pack tu tum tu tum pack tum pack tum pack tu tum tu tum pack tum pack tum So I set it up on that idea, on the tamborito rhythm. I don't set it up for the piano. I set it up for the percussion. You see? And Do also, most pianists come at it in the same way, or is it because you have this kind of percussive background? I think I think a lot of a lot of pianists who grew up with the percussion will come up out of this. And a lot of great jazz pianists come out from the drums, like Thelonious Monk. You know, I always hear the drums when he's playing. So I think anybody who has a perspective of a drummer or have understood the drums will come up also relating to the drums in a certain way that it would not be somebody that grew up only playing classical music, mm. for example. So you're, you grow up in Panama, and when you're still in your early 20s, you end up going to New York, and incredible things start to happen to you. I mean, you meet Dizzy Gillespie, and you're this young kid from Panama. What's going on for you as suddenly you're now with the great Dizzy Gillespie, and not only is he saying, play with me, he's saying to you, Danilo Perez, you have talent. Part of that is a, is a basic uh, fundamental that was, uh, you know, meeting people like Claudio Roditi, Victor Mendoza, Paquito da Rivera, and that, it, each one of those relationships took me to a place, all the way to Dizzy Gillespie. And so, so somehow is a is a is a story that has unfolded for from every one of those experiences. And of course, being with Dizzy, I really uh, learned about the the human quality in the music. About about don't take it don't don't take things for for granted. Were it not for Dizzy Gillespie and the fact that he had this kind of global vision and certainly hemispherically north south in terms of the Americas. I mean, he's the one who basically says, the Caribbean, it's part of who we are. That, in a lot of ways, you're doing the same thing now with your career. You know, you're Panamanian, you live in Boston, but you're going global, and your message is, music is not just to entertain, music is powerful. Exactly. The, the wonderful thing about, about the DC Gillespie United Nations Band is when I got there, you have people from Brazil you have people from all over the world. The, the idea of a common tone, finding uh, our, our, our diversity through one sound, making music that we all need to come together, that's a powerful lesson I, I, need, I learned from Dizzy. You know, that, that no matter where you come from, you always have something to say with, with love for the process, the process of exchange. That was something that I really that experience fundamentally very important and I carry that on myself. Do you feel like um, your own work that you've done now as a composer is taking that root of what Dizzy Gillespie said, which is kind of trust, but you've gone back to Panama and you've yeah. done beautiful things. Yes. You've rescued a lot of the kind of traditional rhythms and brought them into jazz and then you did something amazing. You went and you got a traditional folkloric singer who sings what style? Is Mejorana. It? 
Mejorana. Mm, yeah, nothing to do with Mejorana. You. Yes. And it's a kind of blues. It's, a, it's I call it our Panamanian blues. <laughs> and he has roots, of course, Spanish roots, as a lot of the music in Latin America. Um, this is a, a, a wonderful experiment because it deals with folk material, connecting with folk material from the north. Like you have folk music where the blues come from, and folk music from Latin America, folk music from South America. So this is the idea of Pan-American jazz, actually, connecting the whole Americas to one sound. So you've named this. Well, I, I would you say... You call it Pan-American jazz? Well, it's a movement. I think it's a movement that started in the 20th century with a lot of people uh, doing it. You know, I learned a lot from Paquito, for example. He Paquito really, Rivera. Yes, Paquito Rivera, great Cuban uh, saxophonist. He introduced me to a lot of music playing uh, Venezuelan waltzes, playing all contradanzas. And the desire, a lot of the desire to combine uh, folk, uh, folkloric material with traditional rhythms, with Latin American song forms, with jazz, is something that, that it was fascinating to me. How did you know that it was jazz for you? How did you know that jazz? I mean, you could have, you know, ended up playing in, in an orchestra. You could have, what was it? What is it about you understanding that jazz is your musical expression? Well, the first thing was I noticed from early on in my father too, I really love changing things, twisting things around. And, and I will learn something and I will change it around. I love the, the freedom, the spirit of creativity that I felt. You know, I, I loved the spontaneity. I loved that in jazz. I loved that through that exercise, you actually exercise values to, to be a better human being, to know yourself better. That's, people are <clears> like, wait a second, wait, 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 we're talking about jazz, and yeah. all of a sudden we're becoming a, how do you, how do you put these two things together? Jazz and, and a social message about one's humanity? Yeah. Well, because it has value. See, the music, this is one thing that's important. When we do music, it's one of the greatest gifts. And in my sense, I'm a Christian. I believe God gave us that gift. The gift of connection, the gift of communication, the gift of spontaneity, the gift of the child in your heart, the gift of enlightenment, the gift of, of, of being a part and being aware of a creation, letting things come to you. Um, it's just so a fascinating experience. Anybody who composes or plays music in an spontaneous way has a sense of optimism that the other people normally wouldn't have. And this is what I love about it, that, that a lot of people feel not so optimistic about the world, but when you play jazz, you have to feel optimistic. It's, it's that sense of discovering. It's like, you know, it's knowing, knowing who you are, you're doing through a process. Learning sometimes, a sometimes people <clears throat> feel like, you know, like when they go into a modern art museum and maybe they don't get the painting, sometimes people feel like, well, I like jazz, but I don't exactly understand it. What do you want to say to those people? First of all, be exposed to. That's important. Be exposed because somewhere Open in there, ears. yes, everybody, every human being has the right to be free. Every human being has the right to explore. Every children has the right to, to have his own dreams. And jazz has that kind of, it's, it's a very hopeful uh, 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 tool in our world. It's, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, um, it's a fantastic tool for kids to really feel that the world's not gonna end, 2012. And interestingly, you said something. You said you are, you're over playing music just for entertainment. Yes. 
And people are like, well, wait a second, you're a musician, you have to make a living, you're going to have to play to entertain. And you say... Well, you know, play music like with a check in mind that you, you have to... That's not interesting to me because it's one of the places where you can exercise passion. You can, you can, you can exercise all, those, all, all the values to humanity that are very important. And if you need to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But you still have to come to the place where you do music because you love it, because you are passionate about it. You know, sometimes we have to do things to work because we have to feed off our family, we have to pay the rent. We, but you need to balance that out with what you, what, what, what is it that you love doing? What is it that you, why are you sitting on the piano? What is it, what is the connection? What do you want to communicate? Um, you know, one of the <clears throat> more difficult things for some people around the issue of jazz is the fact that if it's free or jazz, it means that there's improvisation and it means you don't really know where it's going to go. And that can be a little bit scary for some people. You actually are a master of improvisation. <laughs> and one of the things that you use as an inspiration to write, to improv, is words. Yes, all the time. Which is funny because people are like, well, he's got to think about notes. You actually take words and improvise. So give us an, give us an example. I know you've been thinking about something. I think that playing music is much like talking. So if I think of you af about something, let's say Maria loves music. So I pick up my three notes I want to work with you. Maria, Maria loves music. Maria loves music. Maria loves music. So that's nice. We got okay. a nice idea there, right? We have a subject. <laughs> we have a verb. You got me singing. Yeah, that's you amazing. see. Wait a minute. We have a subject. We have a we have a noun. We have a verb. We have an action there. You love the music. Now, what do we do? We leave more space. You can talk all the time. You have to leave space, right? Maria loves music. Maria loves music. Now we're gonna put the chord. The chord is sort of like your clothes, you know. So so we got. We make a piece now. So we have a thing. Now we have. A, we can talk about that. Maria, I'm gonna improvise about that. Really? <laughs> she really. She really. You see? That's what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking about you loving music. I'm not thinking about myself, the music. I'm thinking about the feeling of speech transmitting human... It's a human connection, basically. That is what music always did for me from early on. You have also <coughs> found inspiration in unlikely places. Um, one inspiration was that you almost were on a plane on September 11th, and that made you kind of rejigger your whole life. Another moment of inspiration was when you found yourself playing in Italy in a tiny little club, and then you realized that Stephen Hawking was there and listening to you. Yeah, it was amazing because I was like, I'm playing like, I, I remember I was playing Besame Mucho, Besame, and I try a chord here, I was like, Mucho. I wanted something open, maybe like, and then some, I did something like that, and I heard through a machine going, beautiful, 
And I say, wow, that's really strange, you know. And then go. La última vez, la última vez, I put a chord like this. Very mysterious. And he's like, beautiful. You know, he was kind of narrating, but I didn't know who he was. When we finished his set, I went to him and I said, oh my God, Stephen Hawkins. But it was amazing because he was so generous and powerful. But my Latin roots, I was like trying to hawk <laughs> him and there was no motion. I realized that you could have a lot of energy with a quiet motion. He was very energetic, but a very passive too. And it was a beautiful experience. And that was the night that Obama won the presidency. So it, mean, it meant a lot to me. So you spend a lot of your time giving back to young people because I mean, you don't have to be doing that. Why is it so important? What is the message that you want to leave with these young people? About what? About music? About understanding values? Very important to me, Maria, is, is how music is used as a social tool to empower society, to, to make better human beings, to make people. See, we are dealing right now with issues, very important issues, like isolation. So music brings the element of working in group, teamwork, discipline, because you know, if, if you're practicing something, if I'm practicing something, I have to do really slow to get it going. So that's a discipline that takes concentration. Um, respect, respect for others. You can all not play together. One person played, you're the one listening, you're supportive, you're also depending, independent. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful moment through music that you can explore and learn a lot about humanity. See, it's the process. It's not really the music, it's the process. Mm. Through the process, we can become better human beings. But then what ends up happening is that, of course, it's not just the process because it ends up that you're playing for an audience. Yeah. And the audience then is also a part of the into process. That. And I'm thinking about what happened when you ended up playing in your country, in Panama, in the middle of the United States invasion yeah. of your country. And what happened at that moment? Oh that, was, oh, that was scary, actually. At the same time, you realize that playing and performance are two different things. You're playing, with my father, I grew up playing music all day. I didn't have a time where we would perform. We would get up in the morning and he was singing. He was, he was making me play music all day because I would even learning mathematics through music. You see, How geography. He would put lyrics to, you know, I, Papa, do I don't si, want to say. Yeah, <laughs> dos, si, dos, un, cuatro, 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 ocho. You know, he would, he would see what, what, what Papa did was like, he taught me to look at the world through the lenses of the music. And that idea for me has prevailed forever. And when I was in a situation like the invasion in Panama, all I was thinking was, if I die right now, I want to die playing music. That's all I was thinking. And the people who came to actually watch that concert were for every, every political stripe, and they were all watching your music in the middle of an invasion in your country. Yeah, you got people from extreme right to extreme left to the center. And they were all getting They along. were all into. And at the beginning of the, they were looking at each other going, <laughs> do you think this and that? But when we started playing, it went away. And that's when you really understand the power of the of, of music. You, you understand that we are magicians, actually. We're like mm. actors. We're making something invisible, visible. That's very and that's, powerful. That is what I witnessed that day.
that the people left all their, their ideas, the polit polit politics and all the stuff that they were embracing to submit to humanity, to the basic uh, joy of being there and, and the joy that music brings to life. Not a lot of people think jazz Latin America. And in fact, for you, you look a lot about and think a lot about jazz and having a real future in Latin America as consumers of jazz, going to jazz festivals. If you compare audiences in the U.S. versus Latin America, where's the growth in terms of jazz? Well, one of the, the elements that I think uh, people sometimes don't connect is the lack of understanding of, of history to me. Um, what I would say before Panamanians, for example, Louis Russell with Louis Armstrong, uh, we talk about um, also um, Sonny White with Billie Holiday, also Carlos Garnett with um, um, Miles Davis, and a lot of them, Billy Coburn, Santi Dibriano, so a, lot of, a lot of people, Panamanians in, the, in that sense I, I mentioned, but also the idea that this country was based in a, in a unanimous support from, from all the Americas. The Latinos were a big part of, of independence for the United States. So from the beginning, what, what Jelly Roll Morton talked about this, this idea. That feeling is very Latin to me. It's true. He called I it never the, thought of Jelly Roll see, Morton and Latin. And he called it the Latin tinge. You see, and that's a rhythm. Boom, 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 boom. As a matter of fact, William C. Handy, who wrote San Luis Blues, you know, you, he went to Cuba. He spent some time in Cuba. So there's a lot of history that connects us very deeply, but it's a lack of understanding regarding to jazz and Latin America. The other part is that I envision the festival. Like if you go to Europe, you say it. I'm going to the European Jazz Festival. Uh, my dream is to, one, one day we said, we're going to the Latin American Jazz Festival, which already there's a lot of them. And the people are embracing this music with the power that you wouldn't believe. Kids playing from early on, playing this music. They are really into, they love it. They love the freedom of, of expression. So I see Latin America playing a very important role in, the, in keeping jazz alive and, and in development of jazz too. For all of that inspiration, for all of the joy of your music, thank you so much and for being right here. Thank you very much.